my question to you or to all my friends today, whether the U.S. capital market authority really want to keep the Chinese company listed in the U.S. There are hundreds of state-owned companies in the U.S. market, but you, you're right that um, the American Congress is actually singling out Chinese state-owned companies. So that's what I mean by the fact that you have geopolitics meddling into what should be a relatively straightforward affair. It's not an impossible thing to solve, but it requires goodwill from both the Chinese and American counterparties. Most people are optimistic that it you know, will take place and that things are going to go smoothly, but there are still a lot of challenges ahead, and the proof is in the pudding, and we don't know when precisely that pudding will be served. The big winner in this might be the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tu Ying. Joining our discussion on the preliminary China-U.S. Audit Supervision Cooperation Agreement are Liu Juqing, Senior Fellow, Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies of Renmin University of China, Rodrigo Zaidan, Professor of Practice of Business and Finance, New York University in Shanghai, and Edward Lehman, Founder and Managing Director of China-based law firm Layman Lee and Shi. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. And I'd like to begin with、um, Ed. Ed, I'm I'm not sure whether your law firm has represented any Chinese companies listed on the U.S. stock market. But from your perspective, should they feel happy or worried about the new deal or? Did it actually trigger some mixed feelings? You know, there's、uh, I think 261 different、um, Chinese companies that are listed on the New York Forces in, in the United States.、Mm. We have represented our law firm has represented、uh, a number of these publicly listed companies, these Chinese publicly listed companies, and we kind of call it the Full Employment Act for lawyers、oh. because、uh, so many law firms are involved in.、It. From our perspective,、um, we think, of course, that most people should be pleased by the deal, and perhaps relieved. But of course, these companies do not want、uh, the legal and financial hassle of having to delist. So they're looking at this kind of compromise between CFRB and the, the American regulatory people to able to, to maintain easy access to、uh, USA investment capital. You got to remember that about、uh, I don't know it's 1.3 trillion dollars is actually represented in the amount of liquidity that's brought to these、uh, New York forces,、Indeed. and we、uh, want to be able to see this kind of go forward, and the compromise has been generally received as favorable.、Mm. But、um, actually, like what you said,、uh, maybe. A considerable proportion of those companies should be happy about it, and we've also seen investors seem to be very pleased about it. And because share prices of of U.S. listed Chinese companies have generally been on the rise since the announcement、uh, of the agreement, then why are the investors so 
positive about it, um, Jutin? I should say that uh, most of the Chinese companies are quite positive. The reason is very simple because you know that such preliminary agreement has been reached through longer than one decade. This is very interesting. Uh, also, the launched uh, negotiation discussion between the two sides. But still, some people feel that disappointed, not a big step, just a small step, but it's the best trial to uh, communicate and coordinate between these two, two institutions uh, to find a, a so-called a solution to mm-hmm. solve the dispute at the moment. But the share price of the, some companies uh, had been on the rise is only a, a short-term scenario. We will see what would be happening in the time to come because we don't know that uh, the people really, uh, what they are really uh, worried about, what mm. they are really happy about it. Because, you know, the uh, investors in China are still very skeptic about the result of this uh, deal. In my opinion, that this deal is a very initial, very small step after longer than 10 years negotiation. That's incredible. That I cannot believe. But how many decades for a company to have one decade only for negotiations to discuss such things. So if I'm allowed to say something frankly that this deal is unequal, really, even for some Chinese companies that they are feeling not so happy. I have some friends in the law firms in the United States that organized, joined, operated with Chinese companies. They feel not so happy because... Mm -hmm. From the, all the details, all the clauses, stimulations, all the points are imposed by the U.S. authority on the Chinese auditing companies. What the Chinese authority can be doing or can do? Nothing. Only waiting for further inspections or further investigation. This is really unequal. There is no reason for the Chinese companies to be happy or to have a great happy because we don't know many uncertainties. We should understand the U.S. side, what measure they will take in the future to investigate a Chinese auditing company. No, because we should understand about the 30 Chinese auditing companies mostly joined together with the local auditing companies, not alone that by Chinese itself. Mm. Always in major joint venture or the joint offices, because as a purely Chinese auditing office cannot stand or stay in the United States in the market. So, so we should understand that what the Chinese authority can do to investigate American auditing company. Mm. We will, world. Right. We will explore that uh, maybe later in the show, but you're saying that investors were... Chinese companies shouldn't be so optimistic about this deal. No, not so optimistic. Mm. Because uh, after long waiting, we see no greater progress. Where only that the Chinese, all the Chinese companies and Chinese audited companies are only waiting for the investigation from American authority. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is unbelievable for me because in the past I we have 
discussing many contracts and the cooperation. Such contracts, I can never do it. Mm. So this is sorry. Sorry, I have to say in this way. I'm waiting to, to, to hear the other opinion. Mm, we, we see your point. But Rodrigo, from I'm not quite sure if, if it's correct to say <laughs> that you, from a third-party perspective, because you, you're not Chinese, neither American. So from your perspective, what's your reaction? So let me try to uh, explain a little bit to the audience uh, what is the situation at hand. The idea is that regulators, they are trying to balance three pillars. One is to protect individual investors from any type of misrepresentation, right? For data that is fraudulent or data that is not correct. And that is what, that's why companies, uh, these Chinese companies that are listed in the U.S., as every company that is listed is called a public company. The idea is that the public has a right to information so they can decide to invest in mm-hmm. a company, mm-hmm. right? So that is, that is one pillar. The other pillar is the regulators, they also must um, uh, balance the need to have information for the public with the idea that companies don't want to review everything because if they review everything, they will maybe reveal sensitive information. Right. And finally, that is the role of government, governments that may want or don't want certain information to be public. Mm. So a regulator will want to balance all of this. This is what we call in finance corporate governance. Right. So that is what is at stake here. That is one main difference here is that investors around the world They want to buy shares of Chinese companies because they want to indirectly invest in China. But they they want to be sure that the data of the company is reliable. Now, in the case of the U.S., one of the sources of the conflict is the fact that the U.S. corporate governance system is mostly designed to deal with corporations. And by corporations, I mean companies that do not have a majority shareholder necessarily, right? So companies like Microsoft, nobody owns 51% of the voting rights of the company, right? So it's a true corporation. It's diluted ownership. But in the case of China, as in the case of Brazil, as in the case of many emerging countries, most of the companies have a very well-defined shareholder group, somebody that owns the company, right? And this is what adds to the complexity of this. It is the fact that for a company that has a very defined owner, that company, that owner wants to access money in capital markets, but doesn't necessarily want to give all that information to investors because he, she, or the group is the owner of the company and can derive some benefits from that. And that's where everything comes together, which is the American regulator wants to make sure that Chinese companies inform at least information that is reliable so investors can make decisions to invest or not based on reliable information. And Chinese regulators believe that the standards in China of reporting are good enough. 
So they don't want any further meddling by American authorities. And that's where the conflict arises. Yeah. I don't believe it's a major conflict because at the end of the day, the interest of Chinese and American regulators is the same in the sense that they want to make companies uh, review information that makes investors willing to invest in this company. And for the companies, it's important because they want to access capital. So they need investors willing to invest in the companies. So at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm less pessimistic because everybody's interest is aligned. But I believe that geopolitics, as the other colleague mentioned, that he is pessimistic and he has a reason to, to be pessimistic because geopolitics make the rail any agreement. This is not an agreement that should take three years. Mm. Right, at all. Uh, this is something that should have been solved relatively quickly because, again, everybody's interest is aligned, supposedly. But uh, like uh, what Jinxing just mentioned, uh, it's been a decade, over a decade, that the two sides has, ha- have been negotiating on this. But if it's for everybody's good, why didn't China give a go-ahead until now? Does that mean Beijing has actually made some concession on the issue? So, in in my opinion, um, Beijing is really, really doesn't want some information on the management of this company to become public. And I understand that. And there is a reason for that. It is the fact that things like indirect ownership by the state that are always in the case of accusations of some groups that Beijing plays a role in some privately owned companies, which is mostly not the case. But again, that is the main reason that Beijing feels that giving regulators access to internal data in China may compromise or may open Beijing to criticism that it actually meddles in uh, privately owned companies more than it actually does. And that is what is at stake here. It is the fact that Beijing doesn't want to give this access because it has political reasons to do that. Again, even though the interest of both regulators is aligned, it doesn't mean that the interest of the politicians in general is aligned. And that's what I think happens here. Uh, American politicians want to use this access to be able to criticize China or to cherry pick data from China and Chinese regulators and Chinese authorities want to actually protect this by simply denying access to some data that may or may not be sensitive. So I think that is the politicians derailing what should be a straightforward agreement between regulators. And Ed, I'm wondering if the responsibilities and rights of each party involved are clearly stated, maybe it may clarify, you know, people's um, suspicion over it. So can you tell us or help us understand the respective um, responsibilities and rights of all the parties involved under this new pact? Sure. I mean, you know, maybe 
I can explain some things that kind of date back a little bit historically why we are where we are. I mean, this is all part of something called the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, and it started in 2002. And essentially, it was to try to root out kind of non-transparent systems that were in place in the United States. So this was never really initially aimed at China. It wasn't until um, later when, uh, in 2019, when they introduced a law into legislation called the Holding Foreign Company Accountability Accountable Act. And that kind of came as a result, in part, towards what happened to a company called Luck and Coffee. I think everybody knows that story, probably. But Luck and Coffee was a, a Chinese company that was uh, publicly listed in uh in the New York forces there, in the New York force, there was a shortfall of like, I don't know, 314, $318 billion in the records. And as a result, they saw that there was some, you know, the auditors were auditing it, but then there, the people that were overseeing the auditors were maybe not doing a great job at it. And so each time, what happened back in 2002 to create the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, was you know non-transparency with regards to American companies and you know this this uh, holding foreign company accountable act was uh, you know then it was looking at Chinese companies in particular and also mm -hmm. into the uh, leadership within the companies themselves so that led to some issues about forcing people to delist so those that's kind of the genesis of this whole thing. Are both sides going to be skeptical? The answer is yes. Have they reached an agreement? The answer is yes. Will uh, folks be arriving from the public company accounting oversight board or the PTA in mid-September? The answer is yes. How it's going to work, and you know, the proof is in the pudding as to whether there's going to be cooperation or not. Well, I'm, I'm optimistic, and I think most people are optimistic that it, you know, will take place, and that you know, things are going to go smoothly, but there are still a lot of challenges ahead and the proof is in the pudding and we don't know when precisely that pudding will be served. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Ed, you just mentioned uh, the locking case, but I can recall, actually, it happened much earlier, not just the U.S. firms. I remember back in... 2005, um, when, when China's largest life insurer, China Life, was sued by American investors who, who accused the firm of failing to disclose sensitive information, um, including you know, a, a government probe into financial fraud of this company during its um, 20, I think it's 20, 2003 U.S. listing. Almost all the reports I read in Western media pointed their fingers only to, you know, China life itself, as if its undertakers, including U.S. Citigroup, had nothing to do with it. So probably this new pact has a lot to do with the obligations of um, the undertakers. How may the undertakers be affected then, um, Ju Qin? I think that such question has already discussed uh, and uh, lasting for more than two decades in yeah. China between the two sides. And uh, we didn't find a, a good solution and also no positive result uh, that uh, taken place. 
Because the reason is very clear. So my question to you or to all my friends here is about this new deal. Whether the U.S. capital market or authority really want to keep the Chinese company listed in the US. Yeah. That's no, a question no, we'll uh, we'll be asking yeah. later. But what yeah. <laughs> but, but That's a very important question, one. I think to answer your question, I think this is the best question to give people the answer. I mean that in, in the history in the past two decades we see that some uh, problems happened between the two sides and also for those undertaken they should uh, take their responsibility and the right to mm. uh, safeguard their interests. But as I said, uh, this deal is only one-sided deal, one-sided responsibility. Only all responsibilities are imposed on Chinese auditing companies. No responsibilities to the U.S. authorities because they, their responsibility is only to decide what time, when, with whom, with which manner, to make investigation. Yeah, but... To make a, so all these undertakers, I think, from under this deal is quite unequal how to talk about their respective... But respective. there is nothing... There is nothing wrong to ask the the undertakers or market makers to to fulfill their obligations, right? Like, uh, the, you know, the big four. That, that's true, definitely, because all these Chinese companies are listed in the U.S. <coughs> market. They should abide the U.S. regulation. There's no doubt about the question. Mm. Of course, the other question is that why there's no American company listed in Chinese uh, Territory. That, that's why the Chinese authority has no time, no effort, no work to to monitor or supervise the American companies. So this is an equal uh, problem, an equal deal. This is why I said. So, so you responsibilities for the U.S. undertakers. I should say that they should really abide their responsibilities in the real rules and the regulations. No any political bias or, or any discriminative measures that are imposed on Chinese auditing companies there. They should respect all these companies' its own right. But of course, all these companies listed in the U.S. also, they have their own mother monitoring and authorities in China. So the responsibility from the U.S. side is that to focus in how to respect the Chinese counterpartner, that is the Chinese security authorities, to discuss all possible measures, possible means, and the possible time to make monitoring and inspection. This is a very important thing. Otherwise, they have only one side imposing uh, against the Chinese companies. This is really tough pressure of the Chinese uh, auditing companies here. Right. Uh, Zhu wants to talk about the, the impact, you know, how many Chinese companies are happy or are willing to go to the United States for a market listing. But then let's talk about it. Zhu so you're saying... Um, Chinese companies will vote with their feet and uh, seek other forces for to float, but the problem is the U.S. is still the world's largest, if you will, a deepest or most liquid market in the world. 
So that's why maybe they are willing to go through all those procedures so that they can be listed on the U.S. market, right? That, yeah, there is no doubt. Uh, definitely, you are right that uh, most of the Chinese uh, are trying to go to to be listed in, in the U.S. market, even they know that uh, they have many challenges and uncertainties in the market. They are trying their best to get more financial support and more fundraising in the market because they see the future to develop their business is quite positive. But they also are worried about the changing and uncertainties of these regulations and the rules in the United States because as we know, uh, in the past years, the U.S. authorities, they are trying to curtain or try to expel the Chinese companies to be out of U.S. market because they don't want the Chinese companies to make money, to make profits in the U.S. capital market. This is some parliamentary members are trying to do it. And also the, uh, the major uh, authorities are also explained this work. As I heard from some high officials related to the U.S. authorities said, ah, please, the Chinese company, you should not be too early to be relaxed about this deal because you are still under pressure. If you had any mistake or any errors that you could be having strict challenges and strict punishment from the U.S. government. So... This is really not, as we always say, that the environment for doing business is not so friendly, it's not so relaxing, and it's not so supportive to the new companies. But as I know, my friends that are trying to go venture, they try to go something new in the U.S., even they could be dealt with uh, uh, with bitter lessons uh, in the future, but uh, they are still trying to get a better uh, stand footstep in the U.S. market. So this is the, sorry, this, as uh, many people say, this is the capital uh, logical process. Nobody can stop it. So we hope that uh, from both sides uh, in the future, we can do much better cooperation. Because somebody, my friend, told me that this deal is something like legislative arrogance or legislation's hegemony from the United States. It totally represents its nature. But all companies try to be, be careful about this. We need a very strong law firm. And even we should high, with the high cost, the American the lawyers that are to defend our interests. Uh, that, that's where Ed can perform. Uh, Ed, what's your interpretation here? Yeah, no, I certainly can appreciate uh, what's been said. I mean, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of the stock market isn't necessarily just about China versus uh, the United States. I mean, the United States looks at it as a privilege for people to be able to list. It's the largest, um, you know, uh, place in which equity is created in the world right mm -hmm. now. And um, it's it should be beneficial for everyone who participates in the market. There have been, you know, 50 different countries, just so you know, that uh, are foreign listed on 
uh, the bourses in New York. And they all have to abide by the transparency laws, policies, and regulations uh, of those bourses in order to be able to be listed. And at the same time, you've got a whole bunch of people who are examining all this information that goes into uh, publicly traded companies, which was uh, you know, perfectly explained previously by one of our uh, guests here. Um, and that is all public information. And then people make a decision about whether to buy uh, a stock or not, this, this public stock. And when some of that information is not made available, and you know, I can understand why, there's privacy concerns with, uh, with China. Um, there's, uh, you know, people or the data protection acts, there's all these kind of things, uh, but other countries actually grappled with those issues, issues as well. Mm. And, um, the idea is not just necessarily United States versus China, but it's also people who are investing in that market. And if people can get inside information or have better information about these stocks that, that isn't found out by the overseers, then, um, you know, that that creates problems or, or opportunities, I guess, for people to sell different companies short. That's like I said, what happened with Luck and Coffee. There's a company called Muddy Waters that, um, you know, was basically selling that company short and uh, trying to make a beneficial interest of, of uh, the reporting not being as clear as it could have been. And so that was a cautionary tale. Again, it's not just about Chinese companies in the market, but it's also about all the companies that, are, that participate that are foreign companies or American companies themselves. So uh, these issues with regards to, to China are just coming up now because they, you know, the delisting process, uh, if you don't file these uh, annual reports for a period of time, you know, they're all coming due. And then I think there was the first 25 companies that have been notified. But, you know, there's going to be two or three strikes in which uh, they're going to have to be able to comply or else be delisted. And so that's why all this is coming to a head right now. Yeah. I, I think that at the same time, there's also um, the rules with regards to, you know, state-owned enterprises that are publicly listed. And I think that those are more challenging for Chinese to overcome. And so I think that as you've seen with the, the five that have been mentioned um, that have, have delisted or are, are in the process of delisting, you know, they've got things to overcome that have to do with the United States government kind of particularly pointing out members of the party or the party controlling these uh, different companies that are state-owned. So that's more closely targeted to China itself, yeah. which, again, may or may not be fair. But that's the way the U.S. Congress has uh, has written the law, and that's why there's there's a challenge with those companies. So I think you'll see delistings from state-owned enterprises because of the way the law is written. There's really no way to get around it. Mm. Which is, and let me comment on that, which sure. is very interesting. Uh, when I mentioned about the geopolitics, is that there are hundreds of state-owned companies um, in West Market. Right, but you, you're right that um, the Congress, American Congress, is actually singling out Chinese state-owned companies. For instance, uh, the, one of the largest Brazilian companies is called Petrobras. It's a, a state-owned company. It's listed in the U.S. as well. Everybody can invest in, in the U.S. through ADRs, American Depository Receipts. 
But Petrobras is not going to be affected by this law, most likely. So that's what I mean by the fact that uh, to have uh, geopolitics meddling into what should be a relatively straightforward affair, with the exception of maybe state-owned companies in which uh, sensitive information is really maybe something that that um, uh, Chinese politicians wouldn't want uh, to grant um, auditors. Still, um, it's not an impossible thing to solve, but it requires goodwill uh, from both the Chinese and American counterparties. And this is what they've been trying to, to build for the last um, decade, is a goodwill that allows a peaceful resolution. And as our colleagues mentioned, this is the first in many, many steps to actually build concrete solutions that avoid the listing. Hopefully, uh, we will avoid all the listings, although the risk of the listing of state-owned companies is actually real. <clears throat> but it's, it's not just, um, I think it's not just the state-owned companies, state-owned enterprises. No, so no, of course not. Of we've, course already, not. we've already seen several uh, Chinese firms, including um, Volkswagen battery supplier, Goshen, Goshen High Tech, and three other lithium battery companies flocking to list in Switzerland this year. So it might actually scare away not just SOEs, but a lot of other potentially quite profitable Chinese companies, right? That's for sure. Um, that is one of the, that is again, you are, it, it will mean that Chinese companies that want to get funding from um, international investors cannot access that capital, mm. and that international investors that want to invest in those companies cannot. And that is another issue as well, which is the fact that most uh, international funds, they cannot invest in, in, in listed companies in China. So the only way to actually have China in their portfolio is through companies that are listed abroad. So... Uh, the listing is a big deal for international investors as well. It's not only a question of the Chinese companies, but also it's a huge loss for um, investors that would like to have uh, China in their portfolio indirectly through some of the most profitable companies in the country. Mm. Then, Ed, why do you think um, the U.S. side is not afraid of backfire like that, as what we've just discussed? Yeah, well, I mean... I, there's a potential for, for backfiring uh, with regards to, to this. I mean, the, 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 who's really losing out, I think, is, uh, you know, the public, the general public from being able to participate in some really fantastic companies. And uh, to try to, you know, limit these companies from, for political purposes from mm. participating in the boards is unfortunate and regrettable. But I understand also, you know, the pushback uh, in in uh, the United States with not having enough transparency in some of these companies. And also there are people and political forces that are trying to single out, you know, the party that controls different companies that they would like to, to uh, you know, send a message to them that they shouldn't participate in divorces. Remember that each country has its own rules, laws, policies, and regulations about whether people can participate in and, you know, China has limitations, Hong Kong has limitations, different, you know, Frankfurt has limitations, and, and these are the limitations, you know, like them or not, that are now being put forward by the U.S. regulators. 
you know, I think it's unfortunate for people that they can't find uh, a middle ground to be able to, you know, single out uh, rather than singling out party with regards to uh, control of these different companies. Um, I think it's unfortunate, but that's a decision that the Congress has made, and 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 that's a law that's going to be in place for a little bit. So, I I, I do think it's it's kind of not positive because I think there's some really good companies there, and it's unfortunate. But everyone should be playing. The, the mindset is the United from the United States perspective is everyone should be playing on a, a even playing field, and because those are connected to the government, the, the data and the information isn't forthcoming. Now, you know, an argument can be said that there are companies that are heavily influenced by the United States government, such as Boeing or or other types of companies like that, Hughes uh, Aviation. You know, and part of their activity is not fully disclosed. But unfortunately, they're not aiming or, you know, they're focused towards those types of companies. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Given the U.S. influence in the world, Rodrigo, do you expect, you know, regulators of other major bourses follow the footsteps of the of the U.S. to issue similar requirements? Not necessarily. Um, the U.S. is actually an outlier in terms of some um, accounting rules. Um, for, the, for instance, um, the, the financial system, the U.S., most, most companies in the U.S. They still need to report in what is called the U.S. GAAP, uh, G-A-A-P, uh, most other companies in the world have report in the IFRS, which are, again, different accounting standards. Um, again, um, the regulation of capital markets, that is some convergence, right? But it's not something that other countries must follow. It's not like the Bank for International Settlements in which central banks converge, and um, when, for instance, the Basel Accord defines regulations for financial systems, most central banks end up enacting this type of regulation. Securities and exchange commissions around the world, they have leeway to actually design um, auditing laws that are national in scope. Mm. And that actually may actually come to pass. Oh, okay, so maybe the U.S., tighten the rules for capital market, Chinese capital there, that's fine. Maybe the UK will relax some rules to attract Chinese companies. And this is actually a possibility. I don't think it is a big possibility, uh, but there is nothing in the regulatory global environment that would preclude some country, Brazil or India, to say, you know what? We want to attract Chinese companies, so we're going to design regulations that facilitate that. Um, again, not likely, but possible. Mm. And um, actually, U.S. Sec uh, Chair Gary Gensler has said uh, proof will be in the pudding, which was mentioned by Ed previously, and that the agreement will be meaningful only if the PC. AOB, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, actually can inspect and investigate completely audit firms in China. 
and Chinese companies will have to comply by early 2024, or else they will be removed from the U.S. markets. So, Jixin, how feasible or what's the outlook of、uh, implementing such a deal? This is what we are worried. You see, all this、uh, explanation of this、uh, wordings in this deal or act is not very clear to the public,、mm. and we need really very detailed research and discussion and study what's behind. This is very important. As the, as you mentioned, that、uh, all this uh, uh, pre-requirement. Always at the side of the United States. That means the U.S. authority has all initiatives and、uh, mobilizing rights to do whatever it wants to 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 inspect the Chinese、uh, auditing companies. And also, from what standard? As we already knows that in the past five or six years that. The U.S. authority can easily find any excuse or any reasons that to keep with the state security, that to stigmatizing the Chinese companies' actions, no matter whatever, no wrong that has been done by the Chinese companies. Still, these Chinese companies were punished. Typically, it's Huawei. You see the case. So we actually, that、uh, I personally have no any trust on such a deal, only abided、uh, or imposing on Chinese authority. But in principle, that、uh, the U.S. side has no any how to say any pressure how to、uh, feasibility study or feasible、uh, things that they can do because they are free from any. So-called punishment and supervision and inspection from the Chinese side. We don't see any word in the act and the deal that how can Chinese authority inspect and investigate whether it's the right decision made by U.S. SEC. So we have no equal standards that to discuss such a matter. With the United States, so I'm afraid that in the future, some other countries can also follow such example if the time gives them good result. That the Chinese companies were so depressed by such deals, they could do the same thing as the United States, like Japan, but in London stock market, even Australia, because they are so close. Followers of U.S. actions.、So、Do you think they will follow suit? Possibly. There's no reason that they sh- should not do it because anything that to concern Chinese companies growing or the rising, they will do it no matter what、uh, kind of、uh, damage that they could have. But uh, first uh, uh, line is to causing Chinese companies to be beneficial of their own. Development. This is the key question of the point. For commercial secrets or whether、uh, this、uh, pact is put in place, I think we will have many, many、uh, discussions and disputes. Even hard、uh, decisions could be made in the near future because 
I don't think the U.S. authority could be relaxing that they let the Chinese companies that uh, to develop there in the U.S. without any any how to say the troubles made by other side. We wait and see, but I'm not so optimistic. Jason, you're upset about this deal might not be mutually beneficial, but on the Chinese side, officials have actually welcomed the this deal and saying it's symbolic, quite symbolic. Some people are actually expecting it to be to become some turning point in in Sino-U.S. economic and trade relations. What's your response to that? You know that uh, the relation between China and the U.S. is uh, the most important and the most complex in the world, especially in the economic relations. We are facing many uncertainties and new challenges. But uh, some fundamental facts must be recognized that, first, whether the United States and the U.S. politicians really want to cooperate with Chinese companies, really want to help Chinese or assist the Chinese economy to be further developed, or whether they really want to have China as a co-partner together with the United States to be the same prosperous. No, the answer is definitely not. Because from this, Biden administration and all other Administration in SEC and the other, or including space industry, including manufacturing, including uh, agriculture, all fields that uh, they are trying to decouple from China. In fact, it's difficult to get decoupled, but they are still trying to do it. This is the very best signal for China. We know that, that this uh, pact and this deal has been signed with. The, uh, little progress. The progress only relies on that both sides can sit down together to negotiate and finally sign the agreement. This is the, uh, the progress of what, from both sides through more than 10 years effort. So we should say that uh, we got it. It's better than nothing. So this is the fact. So we have we accept we welcome such pact, we welcome such deal, but we must be aware that what the real meaning and what the real purpose of the U.S. SEC, whether they really want to have Chinese companies to be listed in the U.S. If they want, they should create a more relaxing, more friendly condition for the Chinese company to be listed not to try to find some excuses to expel them or exclude the Chinese companies to be there. This is totally different. So we hope that in the future, from both sides of the experts, from the officials in the department, they should calm down and discuss the real conditions under regulation. No more legislation arrogance, no more legislation hegemony. So this is not equal for China. China is still the second largest economy. So we should learn from the U.S., but we should not be punished by the U.S. Mm. So this is another question. Many companies' friends told me that they feel not so 
happy and reluctant about this test after long, longer than 10 years expectation. But anyhow, anything there better than nothing. We hope that we can go further, a big step. Ji Jin seems to be not so pleased, but the reality is um, a U.S. delegation will visit China um, in mid-September this month to see whether or how to carry out this deal. But Ed, from a legal perspective, you're a legal expert, how realistic is it to complete all the auditing work by early 2024 as the U.S. side would like to? You know, I think it's realistic. I mean, the, the, the people that are coming over in mid-September that are going to be able to take a good chunk of work and get it get it moving to keep in a timely manner, the answer is, I, I believe so. I mean, they, they have the resources, they have the time. Uh, they're only dealing with, um, the American regulators are going to be dealing with auditors to be able to get that information. And the auditors are dealing with the client's should be you know, on a very regular basis. So it's not like they're starting from scratch. They actually you know, have a system in place. These auditors are the same, you know, are a handful of people or companies that are dealing with uh, these clients and clientele. And so they should be able to have the resources to be able to you know, deal professionally from one group uh, to another group the minders of the auditors and the auditors themselves who are dealing with the client. Mm, and Rodrigo, what's your observation here? Do you think uh, Chinese firms can only be, you know, something like meat on a cutting board? And um, do you expect a smooth implementation of this um, deal? So, first of all, as uh, my colleagues have mentioned, it all depends on the details of the deal. Right. right now, we have the framework of a deal. Mm. We don't have the details. But sure, I don't think it's a problem for the companies to comply. The data exists. Um, so for the companies themselves, um, the question is, if the companies are willing to share their information, it's not a problem complying at all. Um, so it's really a question of uh, regulators deciding on what is the actual information that must be shared, uh, how that information, how auditing companies uh, should behave, what is the kind of access that companies must give the, the, the auditing and the regulator of the auditing companies. So in the, from the point of view of the companies themselves, complying with regulations, again, is, is the cost of being a listed company, is, is the cost of, of being a listed company. This cost, certainly exist and are substantial, but this cost of publishing financial statements and things like that are costs that um, are already borne by companies when they decide to go public and they already have to do that today. So adjusting financial statements or uh, adjusting reports to publish uh, more information is not a big deal from the point of view of companies themselves. So I have only one word to add. Sure. We should not have. We should respect the regulation in the U.S., but we should not have any petition for the U.S. regulation. We don't think that the U.S. regulation will be the best, will be the most effective, because do not forget that in the history, in the recent 10, 15 years, 
in U.S., you have a very greatest scandal, Madoff scandal. He was the chairman of the SEC. He made gambling $50 billion U.S. dollars, sentenced to many hundred years in prison. If the regulation is so really perfect, I think nothing could be happening like such scandal. So I should say that we should go further and try to see. But we hope that both sides try best to get the best result. This is what we hope. But we don't have petition for the U.S. SEC regulations. No, they have own many scandals and disorders. Very useful reminder. And lastly, uh, Ed, as a legal expert, yes. if the Chinese companies have to comply with the rules, the new rules, what would be your suggestions to them? Certainly, yeah, there's going to be uh, questions as to how to how to implement all this and, and, and how to move forward. And if people want to live in the future, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're, they're going to think probably twice about, about uh, you know, listing besides the 200 and some odd that are listed that are Chinese companies on the stock exchange. You know, this is going to raise questions about whether they want to get on to the New York Stock Exchange and get the liquidity there. I, I, I think that the the big winner in this might be the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And, um, you know, there would be more um, folks that would move would move there if they can qualify. And there's a lot of liquidity there. So but I do think there will be uh, yeah a lot of questions that are, that are still outstanding. And this is going to be an evolving situation for uh, those that are you know, already listed and those that will be listing in the future. Yeah, as we've said, um, we got to start somewhere, but um, there are also boundaries. And with that, we've come to the end of today's chat. Many thanks to Liu Juting, Senior Fellow of the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies, Renmin University of China, Rodrigo Zaydan, Professor of Practice of Business and Finance, New York University, Shanghai, and Edward Lehman, Founder and Managing Director of China-based law firm Lehman Li Shi, for your insightful analysis and opinions. You can leave us a review either on the topic or on the show. Please subscribe to The Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. 